How many of you have uh, have been to the pound? Raise your hand if you've ever been to the pa- dog pound. Oh, okay, wow, all right. Most of you, even. That's impressive. Uh, well, here in Orange County, you know, pound sounds kind of, uh, you know, antiquated, so they call it the OC Animal Care Center. You know, that sounds better, right? That sounds more Orange County. Uh, but I was, I was l- looking uh, up the Orange County Animal Care Center, wonderful center up in Orange. Uh, you should go take a visit and uh, maybe adopt a, a dog up there. There's one thing about uh, dogs at the pound or at the OC Animal Care Center. I got a little uh, picture of a cute dog up here in just a minute. It is when you reach out your hand to a dog, especially a dog at the pound, you will know immediately um, the experience that that dog has had. Will you not? You will reach out your hand and, and maybe you'll, you'll reach forward uh, through the cage or whatnot to see how the dog responds and you'll know instantly why uh, the circumstances in which that dog arrived at the pound. Especially if that dog pulls back and kind of whimpers. You will almost know instinctively that that dog is here because he or she was abused. And on the flip side, if that dog just runs up to the cage and, and is starving for that attention and that love, you, you will, uh, you'll probably know that there were other more uh, harmless circumstances under which the dog uh, was, was found um, by those uh, who saved it. Hey, our hands, our hands uh, speak volumes when we approach an animal, particularly like a, a dog who's been abandoned. Our hands, our hands speak volumes. They communicate to a dog. Well, they don't just communicate uh, to a dog. Our hands communicate in a lot of different ways. Uh, our, our hands have the capacity to communicate so many things. Our hands have the capacity to communicate fear. When we hold our hands out in fear, we instinctively know what that, what that means when we see someone bracing or or waiting for something that that they're worried about. Our hands communicate love. Our hands can can communicate in in the most tender ways, in gentle ways, like a mother with her child holding each other's hand. Our hands can communicate need when our hands are are held out like a, a beggar. Someone, a homeless person that we see on the side of the road, we know instinctively what their hands are communicating. Our hands can communicate hope, prayerful hope that God has our best interests in mind. By our hands, we speak volumes. The scriptures attest to this. Our hands mean something in the Bible. In the context of our Christian life, and as we gather as a church, the extending of our hands before someone, or the laying on of our hands upon someone, these things communicate spiritual power in a manner that we often overlook. The title of this message today is simple. It is the laying on of hands. The laying on of of hands. And today we're going to look at four simple ways that the scriptures address our hands. How our physical hands communicate spiritual truth and power. And particularly what happens when we, like Jesus and the patriarchs and the prophets and the apostles before us, what happens when we practice 
the laying on of hands. Number one on your outline, we've got, I hope you've got a, a handout here. We're going to take some notes and then we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. If you have a Bible, uh, get ready to flip through it quickly. I will also have some of those scriptures on the back uh, screens here. But number one, I want you to write down this. The laying on of hands, four biblical reasons for the laying on of hands. Number one, the laying on of hands communicates blessing. The laying on of hands communicates blessing. Take a look. At Genesis chapter 48, one of the earliest places in all of Scripture where we see that the laying on of hands is a communication of blessing. Look at verse 9. This is uh, Joseph speaking to his father Jacob, also known as Israel. And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Please bring them to me, said his father, and I will bless them. Verse 13, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward, his, toward Israel, his father's left hand, and Manasseh, Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near Jacob, or Israel. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed and, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me with all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, bless my grandsons. Let my name be upon them and, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Here we have one of the earliest instances in which Jacob, or Israel, later known as Israel, laid his hands, probably even crisscross, if you will, uh, because Joseph brought them in a certain manner, laid his hands upon his grandsons and blessed them. He said a prayer of blessing upon them, setting them apart as his grandsons. A prayer to God for their Uh, security, a prayer to God for their prosperity, a prayer to God that that they would multiply, that they would live in the spirit of their ancestors before them, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of their grandfather Jacob, Israel, their father Joseph. When you lay hands on your children or your grandchildren or someone that you know and pray for them, you are communicating a blessing to them. It's born out in the book of Genesis. It's also born out in the book of Leviticus. Take a look at what Aaron, the high priest, did in the book of Leviticus. It says this, And Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. Here's how we have an instance where the hands are not laid upon the grandsons, like Israel laid his his hands upon Ephraim and Manasseh. But instead, Aaron, so many people were out there, he couldn't possibly lay his hands on everyone, so he lifted his hands up toward the people and prayed a prayer of blessing over them. Interesting how the use of these hands participates in the communication of the blessing. Well, it's not just an Old Testament uh, facet that hands are used to bless 
others. Take a look at the New Testament. You're very familiar with this passage. This is one from Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, in which Jesus is brought little children. And this is what it says of Jesus. When the disciples were trying to get these children moved away from Jesus, they thought that Jesus doesn't have time for this, that he should be doing more important things. This is what Jesus had to say, Mark 10, beginning in verse 13. It says this, The disciples rebuked those who brought children to Jesus. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to his disciples, Let the little children come to me and don't forbid them. For of such, these kids, of such children is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And Jesus took them up, the children, in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Here the disciples were trying to push the children away from Jesus with their hands, literally. Push them away. And Jesus embraced them, laid hands on each one, and prayed for them. And bless them. There was something about Jesus touching them. He knew that something was to be communicated with each child that he placed his hand upon. A communication of love, of kindness, of favor, of blessing. Jesus did, didn't just do this to the children. He also did this before, his, before others, before adults. Look what he did in front of the disciples. In Luke chapter 24, this is at his ascension, just before he ascended into heaven. Luke 24, behold, Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands. And blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried into heaven. They worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continuing in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Once again, just as Aaron, too many people to, to touch, and so instead it was a raising of the hands, a gesture toward the people. In this case, Jesus raising his hands, communicating a prayer of blessing out to his disciples, knowing full well the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit that they were about to receive, and so much more. Something was happening each time Jesus and the patriarchs of old put their hands on someone or raised their hands towards someone. The laying on of hands, number one, the laying on of hands communicates blessing. The laying on of hands communicates blessing. When hands are raised or are laid over a, a person or a group of people to convey a blessing or a benediction, this is a good and biblical practice. This is a practice of the patriarchs and priests of old, a practice of Jesus and the disciples throughout their ministry. But ironically, Jesus' ascension, this, this last verse that we looked at, is also not just where we can learn about the raising of hands for a blessing or the laying on of hands for a blessing. It also communicates at his ascension, Mark communicates a different facet of his ascension, which shows a new element to why hands are used in Scripture. 
Number one was the laying on of hands communicates blessing. Here's number two. The laying on of hands can convey God's healing power. The laying on of hands can convey God's healing power. And I'll emphasize the word can there. We're not going to say will. We're going to um, say as a church that, that, that uh, we don't have innate capacity to heal. I laid hands on Dale uh, a few days ago. Pastor Tom and I both laid hands on Dale. And wouldn't you believe it? It didn't happen. And, and I was upset about it, actually. I wanted God to heal him right then and there. And when I pray for that, I, I expect it to happen, by the way. If, you're, if you don't expect it to happen, don't you dare pray for it. When you lay hands on someone and ask God to heal them, expect that it will happen. When it doesn't, know assuredly that God's ways and God's will are greater than ours. Amen? But we lay hands on them expecting God to do the miraculous. He can do it. And the laying on of hands can convey God's healing power. Look also at what happened during Jesus' ascension. Mark 16, verses 17 to 19. Mark says, it, says this way, And these signs will follow those who believe, Jesus said, in his final words to the disciples. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Twice, Jesus uses his hands as an illustration. Uh, our hands as an illustration during his ascension. For the first, he raises them to bless his disciples. And in a teaching moment, he indicates that their hands, the hands of the apostles, will be used to be placed on others and to see the healing power of God. Well, the disciples uh, surely were no amateurs when it came to witnessing this kind of miraculous power at the laying on of hands. For we have an innumerable number of instances in the New Testament. I list them here behind me. Uh, the, the first, we have so many. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus touched and healed Peter's mother-in-law. Just by touching her hand, the fever was gone. Next, in Luke chapter 4, in the, in the same story, that evening, Jesus laid his hands on many, many people in Capernaum and he was healing their diseases. Next up, in Matthew 5, Jairus, you might remember uh, Jairus who was uh, a, a centurion, a member, a Gentile, he believed, fully believed and was convinced that all it took was for Jesus to lay his hand upon his daughter and that his daughter would be healed. He, he believed in the power of of the hand of Jesus Messiah. Next, Jesus touched and healed the deaf mute in Mark 7. And in Mark 8, Jesus touched and healed the blind man. Finally, Luke chapter 13, Jesus touched and healed a crippled woman or a, a bent over woman. So many stories in the New Testament. So many instances. We could look at each one and and um, pull out some different principles from them. But, but one thing that's common, and one thing that it, it, that, that it all shares in common, is that it was Jesus' hand, his hand that they sought, his hand that communicated to them what was happening, what God was about to do. 
There was power in Jesus' touch. There was love. There was affection. There was healing communicated by his hand. Not just Jesus. The apostles too. They, they took what Jesus commissioned them to do. And they went out. And they laid hands on the sick. Take a look at Acts 19. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body that he touched to the sick. And diseases left them and evil spirits went out from them. That is literally a reference to Paul's hands and Paul's body communicating healing power. His physical hands communicating healing properties to others. That even a handkerchief touched by him or an apron brought from his body would heal the sick. In another instance, toward the latter part of Paul's days, Acts 28, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. These examples give new meaning, by the way. (laughs) They really should give new meaning to the phrase, through the hands of the apostles. We read the phrase, you know, through the hands of the apostles, and generally we read that more generically. We say that God worked through the hands of the apostles, meaning God worked, you know, through their person to others. But really, in Acts, it could be read very, very literally, actually. In fact, this next verse, uh, Acts chapter 5, it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. A lot of, again, a lot of scholars will read that very generically, saying, on their behalf, many miracles were done. I, I read it a lot more literally now. No, it was actually the hands of the apostles that as they touched people, things happened. Things happened. Paul and his fellow disciples communicated so much healing power through their hands. And ironically, Paul himself received first before he even went out. He himself was the recipient of healing power through someone's hands. Acts 9. Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on Saul, who became Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from Saul's eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose, and he was baptized. Saul, Paul himself, was the... A a first recipient of the healing power of someone's hands that were communicating God's touch to him. Second principle of the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands can convey God's healing power. Hands are laid on the sick to convey God's power. Jesus practiced this time and again. He taught his disciples to imitate this practice. They taught other disciples to imitate this practice. Ananias, who was not one of the twelve. How much more so ought we be taught this practice? For those that say, oh, it was limited to the twelve, limited to the twelve. Ananias, 
recognized surely later on as as a disciple, a follower of Christ, but not not one of the original twelve. Yet through the hands of Ananias, God brought both physical and spiritual sight to to Saul, who would become Paul, the greatest missionary the Christian church has ever known. And it was the moment, that moment between Ananias and Saul, that not only instructs us in the healing power, the physical healing power of the laying on of hands, but also gives us insight into a third principle in the laying on of hands. Number three, the laying on of hands can impart the filling or gifting of the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands can impart the filling or the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch the end of verse 17 in our story with Ananias touching Saul? Let's read it again. This time I'll underline a different portion. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight. There's physical healing going on. I'm communicating with my hands physical healing of God and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. The filling of the Holy Spirit alluded to briefly here, but then the very next verses allude to it a whole lot more. Look at verse 19. Immediately he, Saul, preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not Saul who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength. He confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. He proved that Jesus is the Christ. That's evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit right there, by the way. The filling of the Holy Spirit is when you are filled up with the Spirit to preach and teach and communicate God to others in ways that amaze and make so clear. The filling of the Spirit, if you read Ephesians 5, it has to do with a boldness to communicate the truth of God. And when Ananias laid his hand on Saul, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately this happened. He preached Jesus. Everyone who heard it were amazed at what he did. He increased in strength. He confounded those who tried to oppose his words. He proved that Jesus was the Christ. All this as a result of Ananias using his hands upon Saul to communicate God's power. Ananias' hands communicated God's power and Saul also took his two hands and began to usher in the reception and the filling of the Holy Spirit among many. This instance at Ephesus in Acts 19. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied.
a unique reception and filling of the Holy Spirit conveyed through the Apostles, Apostle Paul's hands. We receive, let's be very clear, we receive the Spirit, not by the laying on of hands. Scriptures speak elsewhere of the fact that post the book of Acts, uh, which was a very unique time of the Spirit moving among uh, the churches of Asia Minor and, and, and in Jerusalem and to the north, we receive today the Holy Spirit the moment we believe in Jesus as our Savior. The Bible makes it very clear that the reception of the Spirit, that the indwelling of the Spirit in us is a direct result of our being born again by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have to wait for someone's hands to receive the Spirit. But the filling of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, that is something. The, the, the boldness to be, to be especially given the Spirit in a measure that brings boldness and clarity to communicate the truth of God, that kind of filling of the Holy Spirit can come still yet this day through the laying on of hands and the prayers of the elders and of the church laying their hands on someone to go out and to boldly communicate God's truth. That's one way the filling of the Spirit can be communicated. Not just the filling of the Spirit, though. Hands were used to convey spiritual gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Let's start with the Old. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. And uh, I'll, I'll say spiritual gift loosely here in the Old Testament. Uh, there's not really a robust view of spiritual gifts in the Old Testament, certainly in the New. But look at, look at Deuteronomy 34 here. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, or the gift of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded Joshua and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua was given a, a, a special measure of wisdom, a special gift, a spiritual gift of wisdom. How? Through the laying on of hands of his mentor, his leader, Moses. And in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, a very familiar passage to many of us. Till I come. Give attention, Paul tells Timothy. Give attention to reading, to exhortation. Give attention to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, Timothy, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to these things that, you may, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul made it indelibly clear to Timothy. You know why you got a gift? I'll tell you why you have a gift. Because we prophesied over you. We laid hands on you. And at that moment in time, Timothy, you received something special from God. Through our hands, God communicated a kind of power and spiritual gift that you did not have otherwise. And now, don't neglect that gift. Use it. 2 Timothy 1.6 Stir up, he says, later on in the next uh, letter he writes to Timothy, Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
Don't neglect it, Timothy. Our third uh, point that we've been reviewing here is that the laying on of hands can impart the filling or the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And now we come to a fourth and final principle. The laying on of hands consecrates and ordains special persons for the work of the ministry. The laying on of hands consecrates and ordains special persons for the work of the ministry. This is true all over scripture. Let's start toward the beginning. Let's take a look at how priests were ordained to the work of the ministry. Numbers chapter 8. And you shall bring the Levites. This is a special group of Israel, a special tribe that were set apart for priestly work in the tabernacle and later the temple. You shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting. You shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord and what? The children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. A wave offering, by the way, was literally that. To wave before God the sacrifice that was before him. It wasn't a sacrifice that was consumed by fire. It wasn't a sacrifice that was sent out uh, into the wilderness. It wasn't a sacrifice that was slaughtered. It was a sacrifice of, generally speaking, people that God would see and that Aaron and the priests would literally wave their hands over the people before God saying, this is our sacrifice to you, this wave offering, these people are our sacrifice to you, God. The laying on of hands set apart the Levites, consecrating them, ordaining them for special purpose before God. That was in the Old Testament. And how about also the New? There was ordination of deacons and of course elders but here's an instance in which deacons are ordained ordained, excuse me therefore brethren seek out from among you seven men of good reputation full of the holy spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business of of attending to widows and orphans and he says but um the elders say but we will give ourselves the apostles say we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and this saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose seven men Verse 5 lists all their names. I'm cutting it a bit short. Whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on those deacons. Consecrating priests, consecrating deacons, consecrating special missionaries. Acts 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of to which I have called them. And then, having fasted and prayed, the apostles laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them away, sent them out to do their missions work. A final uh, and beautiful uh, story, also going back again to the Old Testament, once again, Moses toward Joshua, this time communicating a bit more of what happened in that consecration, ordination moment. Numbers 27, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, Moses. Set him 
before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. Ordain him, consecrate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, Moses. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. What a beautiful picture, by the way, of precisely what is happening when someone is consecrated, is ordained to the work of the ministry. It is a moment in which uh, there are many people on the scene. There's, there's, there's the congregation. In, in Numbers 27, there was the whole multitude of Israel that had gathered. There were uh, special representatives, leaders of the people. Eleazar the priest, Moses. There was the one being consecrated, ordained. Joshua, he was being set apart, honored at that moment before everyone. They were laying their hands on him, praying prayers of blessing, communicating spiritual power and perhaps gifting to him. Spirit of wisdom, it says, was given to him as a result of that moment and giving him a measure of authority, conveying to Joshua, you will now rise up among these people. You will now be set apart in a very unique way to carry out the work of the ministry. We are doing this next Sunday to Pastor Tom. Uh, he is uh, teaching and preaching right now to the youth. And, uh, and uh, so he doesn't get to hear this, um, but maybe on on the recording. I, I just want to say, uh, when I read this, this is how I feel uh, toward Pastor Tom. I don't, I'm no Moses, but uh, Tom is a Joshua. And tomorrow, uh, next week, when Tom sits before you and, and fields questions, he'll field uh, pastoral questions and doctrinal questions and personal questions about his character and his faith, um, know that... Uh, that while we, we temporarily vet him that morning, he, he's been vetted over years and years of time and ministry here at Coast Bible Church. Tom uh, was a, a young a, a youth in this church. Uh, I, I'm sending out a letter that you'll probably get, get, be getting tomorrow or Tuesday. I called him a punk kid uh, at Coast Bible Church. That's what he was, right, Glenn? Was he a punk kid? He was a punk kid at Coast. Now he's a pastor. Now he's a doctor. Uh, he is a preacher and a leader of the church. Amen? Uh, this, is, this is what's happening next, next Sunday. You must be here for it. Uh, you, you must be there to witness it and to witness um, his uh, examination and his uh, sure, uh, sure approval uh, of the people and of the elders to receive the laying on of hands. And, and who knows? What next? Who knows what power and gifting and ways in which God will use that moment to make Tom uh, an even greater servant of Christ than he already is. Be here next Sunday. But 
A word of warning. A word of warning to those who are receiving the laying on of hands. And this is a very, very important. And I know, I know Pastor Tom is going to be aware of these things. A warning, a warnings to those receiving the laying on of hands. Number one, do not seek it for notoriety's sake. Do not seek it for notoriety's sake. And number two, do not attempt to purchase it. And you might think, well, that's kind of a strange thing to say. Well, this, this emanates, these two principles emanate from 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're not going to review these right now. You can bring up the very next point here. Uh, there you, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 5. They emanate from Acts chapter 8. Thank you very much. In Acts chapter 8, Simon, the sorcerer, who repents of his sorcery and ends up uh, becoming a, 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 a Christian. He, he ends up believing in the Lord and, uh, and, and becoming a Christian. But Simon the sorcerer, who becomes a Christian in Acts 8, later on in the story, he goes to the apostles and he says, Give me this power. Give me the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to lay my hands on people and, and communicate miraculous healing power. He wanted it for notoriety's sake. And not only that, if you read the, the story in Acts 8, he offered the apostles money to receive that power. Do not do this for notoriety's sake and do not attempt to purchase it. The laying on of hands cannot be received in these settings and circumstances. If you see someone on stage at a, at a, in a glorious you know, auditorium with you know, slick back hair and a nice blue coat and, I mean, and, no, I, I drive a CRV, okay, folks? I drive a CRV. It's not me. But you know who I'm talking about. When you see those preachers and teachers that are in this glorious setting and they got their beautiful, snazzy clothes on and they're, they're, they're laying hands on everybody and there's just unbelievable power, so to speak, happening. Of course, it was a $99 entrance fee to get in the building, but neither, that's neither here nor there. Be wary. Be wary of that. Because that's not the laying on of hands. Amen? That is not the laying on of hands. Not for notoriety, not for fame. And it can't be bought. You can't, you can't purchase this. You can, by the way, you can, you can go on the internet and, and get ordained. You can buy it. And I, I know people who have, actually. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a shame. That's a shame. Because this cannot be bought. Secondly, a warning to those giving the laying on of hands. A warning to those who give, who, who lay their hands on someone. And it's simple. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. This emanates from the principle in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. Uh, the, the, church, the church of Jesus Christ makes a mistake when they lay hands and ordain um, people who uh, have not been vetted, who don't have the time and maturity on their side, who haven't built up the right amount of character and, and exhibited a long track record of uh, competence and of gifting and of faithfulness. You know, there are some churches, there are some uh, cults, actually, that uh, they'll, they'll walk up to your door and they'll introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm uh, elder so-and-so, and they're 19 years old. They're 19 years old and they introduce themselves as Elder, Elder Dawn 
and Elder Dave, and they're 19 and 20. And I look at them and I say, Elder? You're, you're no elder. An elder, an ordained minister, a consecrated special person of God, a deacon, a missionary, someone who has had, their, had the hands of the church laid upon them is someone who has demonstrated through time, through character, through their faith, through a long process, that this is a person whom God has already set apart for the work of the ministry. And as the church and as the elders lay their hands on him, this is a person whom God has already consecrated. And the church is simply ratifying what God has already done. Four biblical reasons for the laying on of hands to review. Number one, the laying on of hands communicates blessing. Blessing. Number two, the laying on of hands can convey God's healing power. Three, the laying on of hands can impart the filling or gifting of the Holy Spirit. And finally, the laying on of hands consecrates and ordains special persons for the work of the ministry. And you know, I want to close with this. Not, not just what I said about Pastor Tom. Yes, Pastor Tom, I spoke about you. You can, it was really bad too. I mean, it was, I told them, I basically said, I don't know if we should be doing this next week. And I'm worried. No, that's not what I said. I want to say this as we close. I don't just want to communicate about this message in terms of ordination of a pastor. This is something that, by the way, parents, grandparents, everyone. This, these are practices. Go, go back to the previous slide just for a moment. These are practices that you, many of which you can participate in, particularly the first one. Jacob, Israel, he laid his hands on his grandsons, grandparents. Lay your hands on your grandchildren when you pray for them. Parents, lay your hands on your children when you pray for them. I do this all the time with my kids. Every night, my hands are right on them. Sometimes it's a, it's a short prayer because I'm tired and the day's been long. I still put my hands on them, on their head, on their chest, and I pray a prayer of blessing upon each and every one of them. When they're sick, I lay hands on them. I lay hands on you when you're sick. You should do the same to me. When I'm sick, lay hands on me and pray for me. Lay hands and ask God for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of the Spirit. When you sense that God is about to use someone in a special or unique way, lay your hands on them and pray that God would fill them with His Spirit and convey to them the kind of boldness that they need. Now the last one, the last one, that is one that that the whole congregation needs to, to do corporately. But that's one that we will know as a community when the time is right for moments of special inauguration, consecration, and ordination. But as for the rest, you practice them now and practice them often as a family and with those in the church. Lay your hands upon one another just as the patriarchs and the prophets and the apostles and Jesus himself did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know our, our, there's no magic to our hands. We're not suggesting, Lord, nor do we believe that our human hands have innate magical powers. But what we are affirming today, Lord, 
is that you use human hands so many times to communicate your power and that when we withhold that touch from someone, when we don't lay our hand upon our children and our grandchildren, upon those hurting and those sick around us, that we're withholding a special moment of blessing that could be for their life. We know that, Lord, that uh, psychologists would tell us that even a simple human touch you know, speaks volumes to those receiving it. But beyond psychology, we see in your word that when we lay hands on someone in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, good things happen. Good things happen. So let us uh, reach out and uh, touch one another and lay hands on one another, expecting full well that you will bring great blessing and consecration as a result of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.